It's such good shit. All right, now, Alec, you do what you were doing. Or is it not recording? It's recording. So, um, okay. I have no levels. We're going to play spin the wheel of a. Uh, current events that we need to catch up on from the last <laughs> week and a half whoa whoa so we're not even cold opening we're just jumping right in oh, 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 we have to there's just okay. too much all right well hold on so let's this is such good shit a wrestling podcast where the three of us who are brothers get together and talk about all the things that make professional wrestling such good shit alec go well the rock is back I don't know if you guys saw the ratings came out from his return segment i don't remember the exact number um, but like the percentage increase was like mind boggling. Well, sure, like indirectly because... shits on the current roster. It's like, oh, the rock draws this kind of rating, huh? Uh. Well, he's the biggest star in Hollywood, arguably. He's the biggest right. action star, at least you can give him that. Maybe he's not Leonardo DiCaprio, but he is physically the biggest. He's got the biggest <laughs> muscles for sure. Yeah, I mean, Andrew's right. He's one of the biggest actors in Hollywood right now. So him being on just regular ass network TV is a big deal. Yeah, I think we need to take a step back and recognize the fact that Rock 10 years ago, the Rock had transcended being the wrestler who went to Hollywood and did a good job. And he is now in the stratosphere of like he he accomplished what should have been impossible, which is he broke through from wrestling and became the biggest star period on the planet. It's just like an unprecedented thing that you would not comprehend could ever have happened. Well, yeah, he's the biggest star on the planet, and they chose to give a pretty big rub to Austin Theory. What do you guys think about how Theory did on the... I kind of felt like he held his own in the segment, to be honest. And for the first time in a while, there was a little bit of charismatic spark watching Theory. So it kind of makes you wonder if he was with better guys, would I be more interested? Yeah, no, I felt the exact same way. I felt like this was the best he's looked in a while. And it, it does make me think like, okay... If he was paired up with the right people and getting the rub, I feel like he'd be growing a lot faster than he is, right? But when you keep pairing him up with other mid-card guys, you're not doing him any favors, right? He needs to be rubbing elbows with... And and yeah, he was doing stuff with Seth Rollins for a while, right? But he needs to be rubbing elbows with those higher-tier guys like AJ Styles... I don't think Uh, it's a tier issue. I think it's a compelling... Like, I think he needs to be with charismatic people. Like, he really is an old-school wrestler who Mm. needs the story. Like, I I don't see the interest in him and AJ Styles having, like, a boring promo, and then, you know what I mean? Like, how's that going to get you invested? Because I felt like that was the problem with Rollins, which there was no interest in, in the story they were telling. No, but I still feel like he's not... He, he reminds me very much of a early 2003 Randy Orton. He's got a ton of potential, but he needs to be paired up with the right people to unlock it, right? He needs his Mick Foley. He needs his Triple yeah, H. Yeah, I, I agree. I just don't think the right people... I don't think it's like a status issue. 
in terms of like no 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 it's skills it's skills on the mic specifically uh it's both like i think him being paired with lanite is gonna be a pretty big look for the both of them if that's where we're going which they keep teasing yeah i'm not sure about that because it feels like la Knight's about to move on to some other things and it feels like he's they're really working this douchebag team angle with him and uh Grayson Waller, which I actually like. I think it's a cool thing for the two of them to do for a little while. Um, I feel like they need a mentor, right? Like, get them somebody who's been around for a while to be their manager. You know who would have been good for that? Miz. If they didn't... uh, Miz would be good. Also, Dolph Ziggler. If they hadn't had released him. Oh, man. I mean, we'll talk about Ziggler more when we get to the cuts, but uh, I've got some excitement for the first time in a while around Ziggler. Getting to see him in AEW is going to be quite the treat. So I think the biggest takeaway from the Austin Theory promo with The Rock is despite how we've all been down on Austin Theory, he really does have it in a way. I think the thing that he's just missing is like a tangible gimmick. Like his only discernible thing that he has is a A town, which if you could equivalent that to anything is just like a town is like uh, a Jericho-holic. It's like, it's just a, a mini catchphrase. It's not a gimmick. And so I do think the pairing of him with Grayson Waller is a good thing because Grayson Waller has a ton of character and he does have a tangible gimmick and not that Austin theory is going to just develop that. You can't steal his gimmick, but I think through the well, process, he might discover one that he can hone in on and, and create something. I'll tell you whose gimmick he should steal. He should steal Adam Cole's old gimmick since no one's using it in WWE. To be honest, what is Adam Cole's old gimmick? He, he, he's just kind of like a, a jock, like a bully. Cool guy. Cool guy walking down the hallways, the way I described Adam Cole's gimmick. That's, yeah. And the thing with Austin Theory is he comes across, like, not cool. Right, he needs to be cooler, and that's kind of where, like, I thought him out there with McAfee in in The Rock, I was like, damn, Austin Theory's kind of cool. Yeah, it's something about his facial expressions most of the time, outside of this particular um segment that he just has a look on his face like he's a fucking loser. Well, he moves in a way that it's like a nerd who got big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his walk is not particularly athletic. If And you know, it probably is the case is that he was he's just a totally normal guy and isn't a fucking douchebag in real life. And so he was just kind of like a dork who liked wrestling and got fucking huge. And so that's what he projects, but because he, well, he projects that, but at the same time, he tries not to be that. And I think that that clash is where there's an issue. If I was to speculate. Right. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It's weird that we brought up the rock returning and somehow turn this into Austin theory hour. Maybe a town is a real thing. I, I think I because <laughs> the rock being there was fun, but the rock played the hits. And I do think the thing that really stood out to me in that, whole segment was austin theory felt like he belonged in the segment sure 
Um, but I do think we need to talk about what's what do we think is next for The Rock. So I'm sure you guys all have heard by now that he went on Pat McAfee's show and basically said that there was a handshake deal to do the Roman Reigns match. If I'm understanding the timeline correctly, it actually wasn't last year. It was two years ago, right? Yes, that was my understanding was that it was supposed to be for Dallas. And he heavily and then- hinted at Philly that being in play. Yeah, which, okay, let's say we do that. Okay, that's fine. What about Cody? So Cornette had a great fantasy booking on his podcast this week, or last week, I should say, at this point, which is that Cody wins the belt from Roman prior to Mania even happening. So then you get two true main events. So this is where the, I'm sure you guys have seen this floating around. Cornette's idea was Cody beats Roman at the Rumble for the belt with the Rock's assist to set up Rock Roman at night two of Mania. CM Punk comes back, wins the Rumble to set up Punk versus Cody. So then you've got the built-in AEW story for Cody and Punk. Mm -hmm. You get the Roman-Rock match. You've got a true two-night main event, which we haven't really had i think got no. kind of got close this year with the sammy ko thing but it was almost like one story between the two nights so right the, the two night thing is perfect for phil brooks right because a bunch of his manias he got fucked because Dwayne came in and had the main event right or triple h had the main event or whatever the deal was so punk never got it even though his match was a main event the so, whole main event of WrestleMania thing and his argument there about uh, how they operate, that honestly, if you ignore night ones of WrestleMania, it hasn't changed. The The biggest match of every WrestleMania is still just the same guy and some other like part timer or, you know, it's never what well, it should be all the time i don't it's been roman reigns like eight times in a well, row he's the top star in the company who else yeah but it, three of them were with brock and then you had one with the undertaker who was way too old to be walking okay uh, if had, we're gonna go back that far you had sure. the one with triple h you know like it, okay i thought we were talking about modern roman yeah not if we're talking roman. about the last three to four years i just no, feel I'm like saying they've put since, the biggest match since out. punk had that gripe and left to be honest if you really look at it that issue hasn't changed that much okay let's let's do since this is this episode does not have any real fucking rails here let's do this let's go back to since punk left so wrestlemania 30 was the first one after he left you had Dana Bryan versus Batista versus Randy Orton. That was a true fucking main event. Yeah, they okay. they got they got ballsy and they put Bryan in a main event that did actually still though comprise of their their star boy and a fucking part timer who just came back. They, they got that one wrong too, honestly, because it probably should have been Bryan versus Triple H in the main event. Like if you could go back and rewrite that, there's no need to have the Orton Batista angle there at all. It, yeah, the Orton it, Batista it, had it, nothing the, to do with the any Orton of it. Batista angle. All it does is is leave that note in history that hey, they had to shoehorn this in because they realized they were fucking up at the last minute. Uh, it, it's, they, it's, they did it. It is so. it is the big red bat signal 
that indicates to uh, the audience that they didn't know what they were doing with Daniel Bryan yeah, the whole time. Yes and no, but here's the thing. It still gives Daniel Bryan the thing where he, he opened the show and closed the show, which hasn't happened since Bret Hart. And, you know, he won two. He had the best two matches on the show with those two. So, like, I mean, Yes, the company didn't really know what the fuck they were doing going in. I think it's safe to in, say we're they made the best at that it. one at this point. Yes. Um, okay, so the next year, you had Roman and Brock. This was Roman's first main event. The biggest match you could have done. It, it really was. It, it, it was at the time, which was also why there were so many, so many uh, complaints, because we were all like, is this really the biggest match? Well, I guess it is. Uh, and ultimately, they saved that. By A, showing that those two have good chemistry in the ring and could go, and then the whole Seth thing. Well, that's going to become a trend here that, you know, while the matches aren't really what we want to see, there's not a better option. I think it's, like, going to become more of a WWE doesn't have enough stars problem as we get through this, as opposed to, like, they're just picking the wrong guys. Right. So the next year you have Roman Triple H. At this point, I would argue this was not the biggest match they could have done. Um, yeah, they could probably should have had if they were willing to turn Roman heel, Roman versus Ambrose, right? If I put myself back in time at this moment, yeah, I think so. The problem was, yeah, they were still on the Roman train while the rest of us were still at the station buying our tickets and you know trip the triple h thing was just kind of she was obviously a shoehorn thing that happened nobody was super excited about it um in retrospect it did give us triple h's last wrestlemania main event and ultimately it was in front of the biggest wrestlemania crowd to date and ultimately it was against the guy who is now the guy so in the overall scheme of things, in the history books, yes, was the match what we really wanted? No. But ultimately, it was probably two of the biggest guys you could have put together at that time. Well, who were we clamoring for at the time? Like, going back? Is, were we hoping that Finn Balor was coming back? Or, like, what was it was the... It was Ambrose was the person that people actually liked. Yes, because him and Triple H had the match at Fastlane. That was awesome. If that had been, if that was the WrestleMania main event, Ambrose and, and Triple H, I think people would. You probably could it. have even done a triple threat if you With wanted them. to shoehorn Roman in, right? Because then mm-hmm. the story becomes Roman and Ambrose are both going for the same belt, and they're friends at this point still. But then maybe that's yes. how you like turn one of them heel, right, by the end of the match or something. Yeah, so, yeah they, they could have done super... something better. It's very weird, and I guess that it, it comes down to the direction that they were going in at the time. Uh, why, when Roman beat Ambrose for the title in the tournament uh, at Survivor Series, why Ambrose didn't turn at that point. Uh, but obviously, it's because he was probably selling a lot of merch, and they knew the direction they wanted to go in for WrestleMania, which was him and Brock, which ended up not being as good as it could have been. So... Ultimately, the point of this discussion, though, is to pinpoint they're still doing it here it's a few years later, and yeah, they bring but, part-time Triple H in to do the job. But we can't instead forget, of putting a star in there. We can't forget that Cena was hurt 
Orton was hurt, Rollins was hurt. Yeah, like that. There, would there's not a have lot been of reasons. If people there's a hurt. lot of reasons why that one happened. It would but have been Rollins no... versus Roman Reigns if Rollins doesn't get hurt. Probably sure, but then yeah. there's no excuse for the following year when it's Roman versus fucking Undertaker, which had like no heat mm. to it. You know, it for was a meant fact, to be Undertaker's last match. So from right, that it angle, was supposed to be. There's always a fucking reason, but it's still a bad choice. Hey, well, no, hold on. Yeah, so who's the better choice? Let's who's the play it. Right. The better choice was, the, was uh, from the. Let's just break it down to the matches that were on the card: Lesnar versus Goldberg. Boom. There you go. Done. End of the conversation. If you want to make it more complicated, Goldberg and Lesnar probably shouldn't have had that title, and it should have been like Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho because they had the hottest story. That's but, true. Good point. Because they you had win. the belt going into the the February pay per view. Yeah. Now, ultimately, that, that match kind of sucked. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of the heat obviously got stripped away from it too because it was for a title. It didn't the, the finish didn't have any consequence to it because the point was that people wanted to see Jericho take the title. I'll from tell you Owens. what I kind of wanted to see at the time was like Jericho versus Goldberg finally, especially <laughs> when Goldberg yeah. gets the belt. And that's the thing though Jesus is you could have if you really wanted to have Goldberg take the title. No, Jericho is the biggest face in the company. After putting the belt on Yeah, Jericho. Jericho's the biggest baby face in the company at that time. Kevin Owens is probably the biggest heel if not Roman Reigns, so you should have your biggest baby face versus your biggest heel. That's the CM Punk argument, so Andrew wins that WrestleMania. We'll give it to him. And and hell, even it could have been some something related to the Wyatt match for the WWE title. You had two world championships and neither of the main evented. Look, the match ended up sucking, but let's not pretend like the story wasn't incredibly hot at the time and people were really hyped on Bray Wyatt being the champion. We literally just talked about this a few weeks ago. That's yeah, true. but he was, he was not the history. top baby face. He was not the top heel and he wasn't even in the top three. No, but wasn't. the story was incredibly intriguing. Look, I'm presenting it as an option. No, C. but it's still CM better Punk's than Roman versus Taker. Is WrestleMania's main event should be the top baby face versus the top heel, which at so that point would have been Jericho and Owens. And according to Owens, or maybe Goldberg. Did. Goldberg was maybe. very hot at the time. There was a tweet that uh, Owens had not that long ago where he said, "Or maybe it's Jericho." Um, up until a few weeks before, they were still supposed to be one of the main events. And then, like, last minute, they were told, no, you're going to be at the fucking opening or whatever. So they were slated to be in the main event. And then things changed. Okay, so ne- next next year, what, what happened? Uh, so next year is New Orleans. That's Brock and Roman. And I would argue that the main event that year that could have been should have been Daniel Bryan versus Roman. It's your biggest baby face, versus your biggest heel. Yeah, but it was his return match. I don't. Mm. It's it, people return all the time now and get to main event. To Andrew's point, okay, but Roman wasn't heel then. So Daniel Bryan returning against a baby. Right, but Roman, Roman was pointless. practically the biggest heel in the company at this point. There's sure. no way around it. At this time, he is the biggest heel in the company. Honestly, AJ Shinsuke should have fucking done it. Not not because of the match we got, but because of the storyline going in. We yeah, were all it, primed that. It's just Shinsuke hard for me to envision to a main event that shouldn't have involved Bryan that WrestleMania. 
I think sure. that would have been the biggest thing they could put on the marquee would have been Brian on one. Honestly, the uh, the tag Rousey and Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie that could have main evented if you swap Angle out with Brian. Yes, I again I think Brian is the biggest property they have that year. But My they didn't opinion. treat him yeah, that but way. A lot of they that treated comes... him like an afterthought. Right, and that's that's what we're talking about right now. That's the problem. Though. We okay, look at that... it through a different lens because nothing really came of AJ Nakamura, but really that was the match. Nobody gave a fuck about Brock Lesnar Roman again. At this point, we it was only the second time this was going to happen, and we already didn't. No, care. but I, we I forget still... beach balls were getting thrown around, and people were booing the main. No, event. we, we, we don't forget. I just feel like if you put a really hot baby face against Roman, the match would have been very hot. Like if you had Brian challenging Roman for the belt in that arena, yeah, yeah. It been if very we hot. if we want to get really storybooky with it of like what could have been as opposed to just picking any other match that was already booked for real, then yeah, that could have been better, but they weren't ready to pull the trigger despite which is crazy. Cause if you look back, even a few months prior to WrestleMania, they had all of the warning signs that nobody was hot for Roman when he was getting booed out of the Royal Rumble well, and Brian wins the belt. Like what? Three months later, the other belt. Uh, no, not no. quite. It takes it's, him. It's like a year. Six months. No, he's got it before the following Mania for sure. He, oh, that's he right. Does. He does. Like they get they immediately they're like, oh yeah, you're our champ again, and then give him the belt. Survivor Series because he it's gets him it prior to Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. Yeah, because AJ gets the title in the same circumstance. They wanted to do Brock and AJ, so they put the belt on AJ, and then AJ keeps it to WrestleMania. Uh, and then he retains at WrestleMania. He keeps it through the entire summer, but loses it to Brian, who turns heel to go up against right. Brock. And then Brian goes on the heel tear that should not have been as good as it was. What do you mean? That was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, but like really him turning heel at that point, like it should have, have been over. awesome because he was just the biggest baby face ever. And he should have been perma baby face. But it worked. He's yeah. just that good. Okay, but going um, back to the so the, the whole okay, going back to the argument though about Brian versus Roman was the biggest thing they could have done. Yes, I agree. The thing you have to keep in mind: Brian did not get cleared until the end of uh fucking February or beginning of March. It was like three weeks to Mania. Everything was locked in. The only thing that wasn't locked in was originally it was going to be uh. KO and Sammy versus uh, Shane and some other partner. They were just going to pick someone from SmackDown. Um, and then ultimately, Dana Bryan became available and they okay. slid him in there. But I, I think this is a good, regardless, that Mania was a botched main event. Like sure. the, you didn't have your two hottest people at the top of the cards. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Um, okay, so 35 for once, <laughs> it, 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 you had the biggest person in there. You have Becky Lynch. At the time, she was the hottest fucking thing in wrestling. So Becky versus Ronda was the biggest match you could do. Yep. Signed, sealed, delivered. Any uh, complaints or? Injury? I was going to say, of course, they shoehorned. Uh, well, I mean, Charlotte. it's a, again, it, it's a part timer. Not at the time. But at you the can't time, deny that she, th that's the biggest match you could do. 
Yeah. Like that should have been the main event. And obviously right. it, it was a cool. star-making so, moment for Becky. So what, we're, this is seven years later, post-punk? They finally got one. No, right? I mean, they've awesome. only missed on two, right? They've only missed on two, counting. yeah. Yeah. Wait, okay, basically 30, 32 and, what are we saying is the other one? The New Orleans. The two and that 34, me and 32 and 34. Yeah. yeah. 32 and 34 were the misses. I... Um, d- still think 33 also no it, and the match if if taker was in better shape the shape that he was before or after that it would have been phenomenal the problem was taker just was not in the right shape for that match i uh, look this feels like a huge tangent that has nothing to do with the events that we were gonna discuss i don't understand the fucking rules of the argument we're making, it feels like it goes completely against the punk argument about why he was sick and tired of the way that they book WrestleMania. So right. I feel That's like what we're arguing, th- I feel like 33, 100% falls into that category of them bringing in some part timer. Okay. Um, even if we give you 33, it's they've half, they've hit half of them since punk left and we're not done. Point. Yeah. Right. Because next year you have Drew versus Brock, and let's look. You want to ar- sit there and argue about Brock being part time or whatever? Drew absolutely deserved to be in there. That was Drew's year, and he got it right. That was probably for that mania. That was probably one of the biggest things you could do. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so thirty-seven. You've got Roman in the triple threat against Edge and Dana Bryan. Again, I think that was the biggest match you could do. It's one of the biggest things they've done, I feel. Yeah. Because that was such a huge... You had the Edge who had just returned. You have Roman who is just now hitting his peak as the head of the table and all that stuff. Then you've got Dana Bryan who's kind of coming out of nowhere and inserting himself in this last ditch effort to to get the belt back kind of thing i was as big as you could have done that year right so now we go to to 38 um main event is brock and roman and i this one's kind of a 50 50 to me because the biggest thing you could have done was Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold. Well, and, and we did do it. Even then, if you had Austin available, could you have done Austin versus Roman? <laughs> I mean, that would have been the biggest thing you could do. Austin Roman would have been the biggest thing you could do. I guess this is an outlier because you had Austin, and that breaks all the rules of physics around. Yeah, um, I, I just don't think any of us were really clamoring for Roman Lesnar that year. No. Because, um, I mean, you know. Hell, Seth Cody could have main evented. Well, no, but I, I, Bianca I, I, could have main Obviously, evented. Roman should have been in the main event, but you could have done Roman versus whoever. Well, it was supposed to be Roman Rock. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I mean, so they, yeah, okay, yeah, that explains it. Uh, last year, or I guess this year, you had Roman Cody, which was the biggest match you could have done. Other than if you had again Roman Rock, but or Roman, Roman Cody was, Sammy, I think most of us wanted Sammy. Yeah. Like this is the punk yeah. argument is that's Pete punk argument is Sammy was the hottest baby face in the company should have got. So we're at about 50, 50 for the last it's, 10 it's years. It's more about WWE always has an agenda that they're going to push. 
and it doesn't matter if you Ooh. get super over, they're going to push their agenda. Like I would, we didn't include 31, but I would include 31 because Roman wasn't fucking over, but they pushed their agenda. You know what I mean? Um, he was kind of over. I don't know. Look, I, I think you're right. They do have a, they've got a plan that they're going to stick to. And while that can be detrimental sometimes, and a lot of times that it is detrimental, we've seen that that's better than what like an AEW does where they have no plan. And then you just never have these big matches, right? So while half of the main events suck, Andrew, I'll give you that, or maybe even a little bit more, you do get 30 to 40% that are like, this is the biggest thing that has ever happened in the business. And it feels like every three to four years we get a match where it's like, I can't believe this is happening. You got to give them credit when they do hit hit their home runs, and they do. Like I said, I think thirty to forty percent of the time. Yeah, I'd agree to, with that. To to go back to the thing that started this conversation, though, Alec, you presented the idea that night two will potentially be Rock and Roman, and then Cody and Punk could be night one. Um, well, I don't I think assume, that's going to happen. Assume, that's what yeah. I would do if it was up to me. That that and it sounds great. I am one hundred percent certain that will never happen ever. Uh, Triple H would never book a, a a match that sort of has an AEW undertone. He doesn't care about that pissant company. I, I he certainly he, doesn't like Phil. Well, <laughs> like, it's certainly been a big part of Cody's story, and it's a very. Not I feel the fact like that they they're acknowledging AEW that. at all is a big deal. They That's mentioned deal. it in a documentary, though. It, it was a big deal, but it's not necessarily a part of the story that he's telling on television. Okay. Well, in any okay. case, I on the on the Paul Levesque, Phil Brooks issue, it's been widely reported, and I mean, you trust wrestling reporters as far as you can throw them, but <laughs> that they buried the hatchet and. I don't think Triple H is as big of a villain as Phil Brooks has made him out to be. And so if CM Punk can mature a little bit, I actually do think that Triple H would do what's best for business. Right. Now, here's the thing. Cody Punk is not necessarily an AEW thing. Yes, there'll be the undertones from the Smarks. But from a WWE perspective, it's the guy that left, made himself a bigger name, came back after a long time. And then it's the other guy who walked out of WWE and has now finally come home, right? So it's the story of these two guys who both left, but eventually found their way back. And now they're clashing because Punk's whole thing was, I should be main eventing WrestleMania for the belt all the time. That's what I should be doing is I'm the top fucking guy. And Cody's thing is I'm finished. I finished my story. I won my daddy's belt. Yay. And now I've got to defend myself. Yeah. And I, I think that Punk, could return as the biggest heel in the business if he wanted to. Sure. You could um, have him look, you have him return on on a night, right? And I would presume if you're gonna do it, you're gonna pull the trigger at Survivor Series in Chicago, which happens to be less, you know, two months or so from now. You you have him come in, get the babyface pop, get the babyface reaction, but then either that night or the next week on Raw or whatever. Very quickly, you have him do something that turns him heel. Well, and I've Get got a, I've got worlds. an idea here, and if we can fantasy book real quick, if you guys will indulge me. Um, yeah, let's let's shift from. I, I think we're done with the previous thing, which was The Rock 
and we've merged into CM Punk now. So let's. Yeah, because I think The here. Rock is obviously fighting Roman if he comes back. Yes. Like that's signed, sealed, delivered if he comes back. So for me, when I think there's a very real story with Vince trying to gain control within the new structure that is TKO. And I feel like we could revisit one of the most botched storylines in history, the NWO returns. What if Vince brings back CM Punk as an agent of anarchy to inject poison into Triple H's curated WWE? Could there be some sort of angle like that? Like Vince signed a deal with the devil? No. Because I don't think Vince is going to be involved in storylines. Okay. Well, so even if it's not Vince, is there, to me, it's kind of compelling that, like, why would you bring CM Punk back in story for WWE? I feel like it would be someone's desperate power play, right? Like some sort of political power play. I feel like that could be interesting. And then you've got Golden Boy Cody, the chosen one, versus the Joker, basically, right? Right. So who would, okay, who would bring him back? Triple H wouldn't do it because Triple H wouldn't bring back a guy. Stephanie's return to the company. I think she's uh, like real life done. Okay. Maybe you do now that you've got the influence of TKO and you've got. Oh, it's an Endeavor thing. It's a Nick Khan power play. Right. You, you make it the, it's TKO. You don't, maybe you don't necessarily have, because I don't know if Nick Khan has any. Because isn't Punk Punk was very recently a uh, employee of like a Nick Khan actually had a very public statement about punk kind of recently where he yes. was like, we were grateful for blah, blah, blah with UFC or whatever with punk didn't comment on him coming back to WWE, but that, that could be something, right? Like it's a UFC sort of not invasion, but again, a political power play. So here's a, a name that hasn't been thrown around yet, but he's technically in bed now with WWE is Dana White. What if you did something with him? I don't think he would be interested. I don't think that you're going to want to draw any attention to CM Punk's UFC career. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think if you were going to do a UFC invasion, it would be they figured out a way to get McGregor to do something with WWE Mm. if they were going to, but yeah, not Dana White, but I think there is something there. I think punk coming back as a kind of hybrid heel could work. So let's move on from that. Somebody coming back to WWE. Let's talk about the people who recently left WWE. Uh, there was a number of releases in the last week as a result of the uh, the merger. Um, most of them were not surprising. Uh, and, and look, it's never good when somebody loses their job, right? That's not something that we sit there and go, oh man, I hope so-and-so gets fired from WWE. Like, that's shit. But there were a few surprises. Uh, I think top of that list is Dolph Ziggler. I mean, okay, yeah, you're wincing. It's not, it's not a surprise, but I, I feel like a guy like Ziggler, who's been there 
it was there almost 20 years that they would have maybe let him do a retirement thing or do with do do something to acknowledge he was leaving and not just to oh he's cut he's gone yeah i don't know i think he's the prime kind of we'll see him in a rumble in a couple of years like oh sure i, I don't oh, yeah. think that well unless he goes somewhere else but and look he got a very public send-off from some of the biggest stars in the company too the so. hugest stars um, I don't think they did him dirty or anything. I mean, he just wasn't bringing any value to the product. I hate to say it, but it, when was the last time he brought any value to the product? Uh, uh, over yeah. a year ago when he was in uh, NXT for that run. That was like the last big thing he did. Yeah, it's something against his talent. They just don't use him. So they no, might he, as well just let him go do whatever he wants. Him in AEW or wherever he goes is going to be quite the treat. I mean, I could see him and MJF having quite the program if they decide to go that way. I think if, if AEW is, is going to desperate use need of a guy like that. I don't think he uh, goes there. I think he's I gonna, mean, he might not, but they I think he sure as hell should try to get him. I don't think he's going to want to. I think he's going to want to go to the Indies. He's the kind of guy that could dominate the indie scene from the perspective of everyone's going to want to book him. He'll always have work. He'll sell a shit ton of merch out in the indies. But does he, he really would... need the money? Like, I feel no. like no, it, he he's going to be drawn I mean, to uh, this is where I think AEW or New Japan could be in plays. That he's going to be drawn to a story, right? Like, I feel like he's the kind of guy you bring in because here's what we're going to do with you. X, Y, Z. You know, or am I overrating him? I, I only have some insights on his personality from, uh, listening to Matt Cardona's stuff because him and him and their, their buddies. And he basically implied on their show this week that like, there's a chance that he's just going to be done with it and just focus on his entertaining career. He's doing this comedy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also that Dolph has paid attention to Matt's way of doing the indies and, and making money and, you know, there's yeah. a chance that he does that. It, it's just a little bit different because Ziggler's made his money where Cardona, I don't want to say. Oh, no, Cardona did to, not make his he, money he until didn't now. Have to. He didn't have any option, right? He had to right. like, take the path he took. Um, it is funny with all the people leaving. I feel like he's one that you would. I feel I've been clamoring for him to get signed by AEW. Now I don't want that anymore because I just don't think AEW is capable of using him. But he is kind of what they need, even more so than Ziggler. Because Andrew, I agree that they need an adult in the room. I just think that <laughs> Ziggler is going to be. We've seen it with guys like Daniel Bryan, or like he's just too short term. He's not someone you can like build your company around at this point. No, he would he would be there uh, to provide uh, a few great matches and some advice, but a ultimately, it's it's well, who's going to possible take the advice, that though? he? Mm. Yeah, the the elite don't do that. Um, the elite, Alec, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. Um, they know everything, uh, and they're top guys. So, well, I certainly know Hangman knows everything. Um, yeah, 
So I've heard he's just a prodigy. Yeah, they're they're unbelievable. Uh, they're they're the future. In fact, they're they're young bucks. Even yeah, uh, the young bucks are the greatest tag team in the history of the business. Uh, okay. Anyways, um, is entirely possible that Ziggler just calls it quits on wrestling. Maybe he makes a few more appearances here and there for WWE in the future, but he could just decide that he's made his money and he wants he, to focus. It, it on almost stand-up. feels like a uh, RVD kind of thing, where RVD's been in and out of the business for like ten years now, or even Jericho. Right? Those guys have soft retired and soft unretired so many different times. I mean, in I a way, Ziggler's already that. been doing that while simultaneously <laughs> signed to WWE. Like, he's taken huge chunks of time off. Not of his own volition. But I think but it's no, fine for both parties on this one. Yeah. Right? I, I yeah, I, I, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I get it from business perspective. I just feel like, I don't know, they could have done a little something for him. Um, well, one of the other. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to just move on to the next guy. Yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, one of the other big names, although this was not a shock, was uh, Matt Riddle. Um, I feel like this needed to happen. I feel like after the after he left the first time, um, after the RK Bro stuff and the Seth feud when he went to rehab, it just hasn't been the same since he's been back. He's clearly shown wwe uh that he's not fully invested anymore his concerns are more personal and maybe not necessarily things that are on the up and up and like okay cool go do it but you're not doing it here yeah i mean i was never this one's uh no skin off my back I was just never the biggest riddle guy. And Matt, to your point, it's not even like they were using him towards the end now. I'll tell you who they should have been using. And I don't know if we're going to go through every single guy in this list. Um, but a controversial one is Rick Boogs. And not controversial because he got released, but controversial because of what he said recently that basically laid out that someone's got a vendetta against him. He didn't name who, but said if Vince was still in charge, he wouldn't be released right now. And if you kind of look at his push and the way it evaporated, obviously he got hurt, but they were definitely featuring him when he came back at first until Vince got ousted. I found that one kind of interesting. And he seems like a Vince guy. Sure, but was he not a Triple H guy coming from NXT? Like... I Not every guy know. comes from NXT is a Triple H guy. No, but Triple H also, also he Triple H is from, a bodybuilder. Triple H he, likes that kind of stuff yeah, too. But, but, so but why? also Boogs came from Vince NXT. He didn't come mm. from Triple H NXT. He okay, came from 2.0 yeah, NXT. I think Boogs is clearly a Vince guy. Like I, when I read that tweet, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I just don't understand how Triple H wouldn't be into him. Triple H is not a bodybuilder he was a bodybuilder but he's always been a fan of the business and he likes his wrestlers he's the reason why we've got indie guys all throughout the company now um he became a bodybuilder specifically to get into the business it's just it's a shame because boogs could have flourished in wwe with the right push outside of that i don't 
I don't see it. Like, if he goes to AEW, he's just going to fuck around. As a character and as a talent, he's just as entertaining as any of those indie guys who have their interesting stories and they do their little work shoot promos. But he has the look that makes him stand out now in a place where it's not really a land of giants anymore. I mean, he he kind of had the perfect combination of being a Vince guy physically, but still being likable to all the fans that are just really into pro wrestling and like dudes like Adam Cole, for example, he kind of met those two things yeah. in the middle with the way that he presented himself on camera. Yeah, Cause he's really so like, it's just a really huge loss. I think for the company that they couldn't figure out what to do with him. Cause he was magnetic on TV. Yeah. Missed opportunity is really the key word. Yeah. I don't disagree with Matt that like, I don't know what, I don't see anything in AEW working out for him, but such a missed opportunity. Well, I mean, he got, we were all at the WrestleMania in Dallas with, with him and Nakamura where he blows at his knee. He had one of the biggest reactions that weekend really did. Considering he was in a tag match. It was like the, the opening the match card. too. Yeah. Uh, he was <laughs> in the few seconds that he got tagged in was electric. Like, the crowd yeah. was really behind him. Um, if if he hadn't gotten injured, I think... He kind of reminds me, it, charismatically, I think he's every bit the charismatic electricity that you see from, like, an L.A. Knight. Now, L.A. Knight is a much more polished wrestler and a veteran and, you know, a student of the game. But that, that that's kind of where I see Boogs. It's like, he had that kind of potential. In terms of like character work, right? Well, in any case, it's sad to see. So that that was one that caught my eye. Um, yeah, I, the rest of them were not big shockers. Shelton Benjamin, like Shelton's great, but kind of the same with with Ziggler, right? They weren't really using him, so why why have him? Elias, same deal. The Elias um, one is disappointing too. It's for disappointing the same because the Boogs thing. Where yeah, um, Mustafa Ali, that was a person he, he wanted to get released. So yeah, I mean he's going to go to AEW and do aggressive parkour with the rest of the gymnasts, and they'll, they'll all <laughs> everyone's going to like it. I'm sure he'll get big pops from the 2,000 people that bought. He tickets. seems like he would join the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, perfect. We can do stadium anarchy with like. 1500 people have you guys seen their ticket sales coming out of the uh they're not good of, it's like we got a problem like bad. yeah like uh so i don't know where they ended up for the queen show um but it they had sold like 35 percent of the tickets that they'd sold the previous year about a week out so that's like venue to venue, like same arena, same show, MJF headlining, and they can only muster like a third of the tickets from the previous year. It's exactly what we said about just because you're doing this right now and there's a lot of hype, you better fucking deliver because people aren't going to buy tickets next time if you do fucking dumb shit with your booking when the show comes around. And it makes you wonder what it's going to look just like don't when have they run stars. Wembley again. And people are burnt out and don't want to go to the Wembley show because 
they didn't really like the show was good, but like could have been 20 times better if they had booked matches that really had heat. Well, so we're really going down the rabbit hole now, but apparently I don't know if you guys have seen this from the Wembley thing. There's a big to do over the fact that the number that Tony Khan said was not anywhere close to the amount that was in attendance. That was the amount that people paid. Like there were 90, whatever it was, 90,000 paid tickets, but like apparently only 80,000 showed up or it was like a 10,000 ticket disparity between what they sold and the people who showed up, which is curious. Like, I don't know if which Tony Khan could, bought his own tickets or it could just be scalpers that just ended up not being able to resell their that's tickets. But that speaks to demand, though. Like, I know that people yeah. scalp and they scalp by the shitload. But you're telling mm. me there's a 10,000 ticket. It's not a 10,000 between it was a scalp 7, tickets 000. that weren't. That's it's so still many. A lot. It's still a that's, lot. That's way too much for me to believe that. That's all scalpers who did not sell those tickets. Well, the theory is is that people bought tickets who were never going to go to like try and show how many tickets AEW could sell. Like you've got that kind of like committed who the fans. Fuck would do that. What I a weird I fucking don't thing. Know. Some weird. Hey guys, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna pick Chicago. up. I'm gonna pick up two AEW tickets for us. I'm gonna pick up two more extras just cause, just to make it yeah. look good. That's fucking stupid. In any case, of all the people that were cut, if we're talking AEW, I think Madcap Moss was surprising because he's such a physical talent, and I think there's a lot of potential for him. I'd be interested to see if AEW could find a way to like get him signed and use him as... I mean, he, he would bring something yeah. to the table that they just don't have. They don't have guys like that there, so... The good athletes. Right, like if you're looking at all the people that were cut, like I feel like he's the biggest talent, right? Like closest to being um, like a needle mover in the long term. Maybe, yeah. If you did the right thing with him, um, you also had his uh, fiance Emma, which is like, what the fuck? Like you just brought her back, you did nothing with her, and then you let her go again. Like, and we've I always been You're... big Emma guys. Yeah, I think all they, three they've of done us this to her Emma like things. three times. Yeah, well the. F- First time she got fired was because of that, the whole theft thing, the whatever. Um, and then they brought her back a week later. But it just feels like, why did you bother to bring her back? Like, you, it feels like you didn't even attempt to do anything with her. Well, I she's they the brought her that... back again, though. And like, they, they had her do a quick thing in NXT and then she like fought Asuka and then they released her right after that. And then this is again, they brought her back and immediately. Yeah, it's been her multiple again. times. Yeah. She seems like the type that they would love, right? Because she can go as she's not, you know, Charlotte in the ring, but she can fucking go. And she's also Mm -hmm. hot, right? And they like that, obviously. It seemed like when they brought her back that they were going to kind of just use her to job to other people, which is fine if you're doing it on a regular basis. So marketable, right? Someone who can actually wrestle and has like the billboard kind of look. It's weird that they've never it's like Ziggler, same kind of thing where it's like he is everything you would want, right? He looks good on a billboard. He's shredded, like can go on the late night shows or whatever, can work in the ring. There's just some of these people that they just don't know what to do with for whatever reason. Well, it felt like she only had like, what, three or four matches on TV since she's been back. Like, what was she going to do with that? 
No, yeah, it's clear she was dead on arrival this time. Uh-huh. Um, then you had Dana Brooke, which not terribly surprising, but I think she's one of those people that I don't know about AEW for she's her. got impact, but she has potential. All over her. Yes. Yes, I think so. So the the knockouts division had sort of like a soft reset last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. They had their thousandth episode, and they kind of brought mm-hmm. back the beautiful people came back. Gil Kim came back. Uh, awesome Kong came back. So I don't know. We don't watch Impact on this show. It's not but canon been, for us. But they've got some good talent there. I mean, hell, they got uh, Naomi Trinity is there now. You know, hey, maybe you bring in a she's few more. She's the chance. Yeah, she's the yeah. big, the big star. But. Maybe you bring in a few of these ex WWE women, like an Emma, uh, who's been an impact. Oh, before. I mean, if I'm AEW, I'd be all over it. Like I said, Emma, she may not be a ten out of ten in the ring, but she's damn near an eight out of ten in the ring, right? Sure. Like, I think yeah. she's really talented. I think if you bring in like her and Dana Brooke, you could do some stuff. I don't um, know about Dana Brooke. I've never I, been on that train. Nah. But. Um, then you had Aaliyah, which wasn't shocking now, but it considering that the push that they gave her what a year ago, two years ago, when they first brought her up and they made her tag champ, and they were it felt like they were really trying to go with her, and then she got hurt, and then just never came back. Yeah, and it's it like the like, Boogs thing. Very similar. Yeah. And it's like I thought she had potential. Like what? Ha- this feels like a creative has nothing for you thing. You got hurt. That sucks. And then while you were gone, creative was just like, nah, we don't got any ideas for her. So just let her go. Yeah, it's I hate to say it, but just throughout history, there's just people like that who the crowd was behind and we all loved. And then for whatever reason, they just got rid of them and never heard from them again. Right. I think we were talking about the ruthless aggression guys on a podcast a few months ago. Right. But you look at like the Chris masters, Renee Dupree, Carlito, there's like a litany of those guys where it's like uh, they were over, but yeah. I mean, they all, although a lot of those guys you just named did end up finding their way elsewhere. Right. That's what I'm getting at. And I, I think there's, you know, for Leah and Mad Cat, like, some of these guys, they're going to be successful outside of WWE, hopefully. Um, I think the one group that I'm keeping my eye on is um, Maximum Male Models, Mansoor and uh, Mace. I think there's a lot of potential for them on the indie scene. Um, or even Impact. I think they could do pretty good in Impact. But I think those guys both are really great talents. Uh, Mansoor more so than Maze uh, in the ring, but I think they're both really good. I I I get why WWE let them go, but uh, I feel like they've. I feel like we'll see them in WWE again. If that makes sense. Uh, maybe I don't know. It depends on what they can do with this run. If it's on the Indies or if it's wherever they end up, you know, if they could make some headway and really develop their gimmick a little bit on their own away from WWE. Sure. They, they could turn it into some money making stuff. Um, and then speaking of money, you got Dala. He's yeah, not that's... top Dala anymore. He's just Dala. 
It's because funny he's the, that he's, he's the, the only one. one they released from the group. <laughs> right? <laughs> it says it's a lot. Just, it, was, it was just him? Yeah, just, just Dala. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense if you're going to release anybody. Mm-hmm. It sounded like not only did he keep botching stuff, but it sounded like he was just oddly problematic behind the scenes. Am just I like he was enough? on the first run. Yeah, like I, maybe he's got like an Enzo Amore type attitude mm-hmm. to him. Uh, and that might just be the 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 fact that he keeps it kayfabe and projects that. But it, from what I've heard, that that's just how he is. I don't know. So his promo, we we got to talk about the promo he put up on Twitter, which is deleted, by the way. Um, so if you missed it, sorry. Um, so he cuts this fucking promo and he explains why he's Dala, because he's the one. He's the only one or some bullshit. And then he launches into this pseudo threatening WWE with violence kind of thing where he's talking about like, you know, you know, everything in this business is just business. It's not personal. But then when they let me go the second time, I took it personal. But the way he talks about it, it almost sounds like he's threatening WWE. Like, not just like, oh, I'll show you. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's big Ryback vibes from this guy. It's very big Ryback vibes. Yeah. And, And here's the other thing. Some people, when they cut promos, have a promo voice and they have their real voice. For example, when I was in wrestling, I had a promo voice. It's not my regular speaking voice. Some people do. Some people don't. Top Doll has a promo voice. So when he starts his little promo, he he starts with his, my name's Dalla. It's like this gruff sounding voice. And then he gets into his regular speaking voice. And it's like this squeaky, Brooklyn-y accent. And he oscillates between the two. And it's like, bro, pick a lane. Pick a fucking lane. Um, look, I always thought he had some potential. But man, he hasn't done shit. So like. Listen, he's as good in WWE as he was in the NFL, which is enough to be on a practice squad. So <laughs> we can move on from him. Um. Let's go. I know we kind of worked, went on the inverse from this when we started. There's somebody big that signed with WWE that we got to talk about. Uh, so Jade Cargill has officially signed with WWE. And the media blitz behind this uh, the last couple of days has been pretty spectacular. Right? Like WWE normally doesn't. Do like they'll they might do the oh ESPN says that so and so is signed okay cool but then it was like that whole day it was like photos of her at the walking into the performance center and then at the end of the day there was oh photos from her first day at the PC and then quotes started coming out from like Triple H and her and uh, you've already started to see other WWE talent interact with her on Twitter in kayfabe. So it's like they're, you know, you want to talk about strapping the rocket to somebody? Jesus Christ, they put a fucking Saturn V on her already. It's kind of a weird pick, right? Like of all the people who need to go to NXT and learn how to work, she is like the prime example of someone who needs that. 
Yeah, I hope the rumors that she's going to the main roster first is false. She needs a solid six months to a year in NXT. Like, let her be there. Let her be a big fish in the small pond and really develop her skills to be WWE focused. Um, I think she has some of the most potential of anybody that's come into the company in a long time. But let's make sure we do it the right way. Let's not have another Ronda on our hands, right? Like Ronda came in with all the promise in the world, but ultimately Ronda probably could have used a little more seasoning. But if Ronda had done, and I get it, Ronda going to NXT would have felt weird, but she could have used it. And I, I think that's kind of the same thing with Jade. Let's season her up a little bit, get her used to the WWE way of things, get some get some good uh, reps under her belt doing NXT, and then bring her up to the main as a huge fucking deal. Yeah, I the the tricky part with Ronda is she was Ronda Rousey, so it was going to be a big deal no matter what. Uh, the thing with Jade Cargill is doesn't have to be a big deal unless you make it one. So I don't necessarily agree with WWE's approach here. Uh, I definitely think she has plenty of upside and that she's incredibly talented and she's going to do great. But the reason she feels like such a big deal is because of where she came from, not where she's going. She is now in a sea of people who are better than her for the first time. And if you make her feel like this big of a deal and she can't deliver, and I'm not saying she can't, but it, it just, I don't know. It feels very unfair. There's no, it's an unnecessary risk in my opinion to put her in this situation where she now has to over deliver because you created expectations with your audience that you didn't have to have. She could have just shown up and the people who were in the know could be in the know and she could have surprised and shocked people with her talent and it would have worked mm -hmm. better. Now she has to not only exceed our expectations of knowing who she is and where she's from, but the expectations of people who are going to have all these preconceived notions based on how WWE is presenting her in the media. Um, yeah, that's, and that's difficult. You're, you're putting a target on her back, essentially, yeah. in the locker room. Um, it's it's the Ronda Rousey all over again. And I wonder if this was a Endeavor thing, right? And they saw this as, ooh, this is a big signing for us. We should capitalize. Or or if this was just WWE, right? Because let's, let's face it, what's happening right now is creative. Right. Triple H is head of creative. The the things we would presumably would not be happening right now if if creative was not behind it. Unless this is the MO going forward for Endeavor. Anyone that they think is a big signing from their perspective, they're gonna make a big public spectacle of it. I don't know. It, it's very much a possibility. It does seem like WWE isn't 
I don't know. It's not Gable Steveson. Like to me, I don't know why. <laughs> I I don't see Nick Khan or Triple H having the idea like, oh, we just got this AEW star. We should really build this. People are going to think it's a big deal because that's not how historically WWE has ever looked at things outside of themselves. So it's right. very possible that it's it's coming from this merger and how the parent company wants to operate things and not them because it does historically feel out of the ordinary for WWE, the, especially the, it's not like they hired. It's not like MJF. Right. And honestly, if they did this with MJF, I'd be like, this is a little fucking weird. Mm, I don't know. MJF might be a little bit different. So well, okay. if they did well, that in kayfabe for MJF, it would be pretty good, actually. Yeah, like they in they're, they're kayfabing like, hey, we got yeah, this like how they stuff. did it with with the Paul brothers makes sense for MJF, where they they do the Triple H picture or like how they did it back in the day for like Goldberg, or was it Scott said like one of a Goldberg where it's like, oh, who's gonna sign Goldberg that kind of thing. So okay, I wonder. So one of the things that got tossed around with this is that. This could be WWE's way of showing the AEW, the top people at AEW, that they're wanting to court. Look what will happen if we bring, if you come, if you switch. This is this is the reaction. This is the rollout you'll, you'll have, right? Cody wasn't an anomaly. This is how you would be treated or could be treated. I don't necessarily know that that's a good thing for all the talent. I If I was a talent, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to fucking be in that situation where you're just because they're they're showing it this way doesn't mean that a it is for everybody or b that they are willing to follow through with it it's just a it's just like the whole thing where vince used to anyone he was courting like chris jericho's told the story a lot that they picked him up from the airport in a limo took him to vince's house right make a whole big deal out of the contract discussions it's kind of the same thing it, mm. it's just doing it a little more in public Right. And maybe this is just a, a little step towards the bidding war of 2024. So, yeah, I was going to say that's a natural transition into, I think, our last little tidbit for the week. Did you guys see Undertaker's comments about MJF? Yes. So if MJF wasn't on the radar of people in WWE before, certainly you have to imagine he is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Undertaker has so much sway in that come i'm not saying he's gonna go put in the word for mjf but i almost liken it to when the rock tweeted who's this kilstein fella and then right. ko gets signed like a couple months later vince comes up to tager mark who's this mujif guy mjf you know whatever who is this right like I, I could see that being an actual fucking conversation yeah, I, for a long time, look, I think WWE is clearly going to offer MJF a contract in 2024. I think the question was always, how do they see him in terms of star power? Mark Calloway endorsing him goes a long way to make me think that they would, you know, he would have support there, right? And that makes it more right. likely that he would jump. I think the thing that would keep him from leaving is they don't see him as a big deal and he gets to be the top guy over here. So So that's why I wonder if this Jade thing is kind of the test run for MJF so that later this year or next year, they can go to him and say, see what we did with her. That's you. I, I, I I just get that vibe that this, it's not that Jade doesn't deserve this, but 
this is being done for somebody else for someone else's benefit. I could see that, but if they did sign MJF, that shit better stay a uh, secret. Like you're shooting yourself. In it the would foot be if hard you don't have MJF to... MJF's fucking stocky YouTube music. Start playing it when would... Cody Rhodes wins a title match or something. Andrew, it's, it's going to be impossible because the young bucks or whoever, like someone's going to leak it to Meltzer that mm-hmm. MJF did not resign with AEW. That's right. true. They will it's going to be a sabotage anybody. That's not because it's now here's the fucking thing. dipshit EVPs. It's going to be a Cody thing all over again, where we're going to know he's not there anymore. And we're going to pretty much know he's coming, but I think it's going to be one of those. We don't know when and shit, maybe, maybe it's a fucking, we don't know when his contract is up, but let's say it's up in the beginning of 2024. Is it a shoot that his contract's up in 2024? Yes. He signed a five year in um, 2019. Because it sucks. Because now that I don't watch AEW, I want to be able to watch MJF, but I've got principles. So what I want, you know, I could envision a scenario where WrestleMania night one, you had Punk versus Cody, regardless of what the outcome is. All of a sudden, at the end of that match, his fucking music hits. Holy Jesus Christ, right? And that's a perfect. Okay, but if you've got Punk out there with the belt, having just beaten Cody, it's Cody with the belt. Too big. A little too on the nose. It's too big. Like, they didn't even do that with Cody, you know? Like, they've never had WrestleMania close out with someone sort of interfering or, like, staring down other than that's when like the an Rock AEW did it with thing. John Cena. Like, like that's the, the one that, time they've that, ever done it. It reminds me of uh, the night Dana Bryan and Adam Cole both debuted, right? There was that that thing of just, holy shit, you're one thing on top of another Yeah, I thing. think they could do something like that at, like fucking fast lane or something or like but you're not gonna do it at mania yeah yeah i mean i'm still do I, I find it dubious that mjf is going to be more than like a mid carter coming in but who knows i mean look la knight has, has still barely won any matches he's winning more now but you know oh to take this completely full circle before we go uh the very beginning we're talking about the rock and Cena and all that. Uh, so LA Knight's supposed to be Cena's partner for Fastlane. Obviously, he got uh, COVID and was out. Um, so hopefully, for as of the time we're recording this, this week's SmackDown, hopefully he's back so that we can he did get test, things into place. He tested negative officially. Oh, good. Um, okay, so he'll be he should be yeah, on SmackDown. So SmackDown will be must watch the TV. story. Um, yes. Side note: Did you guys like? I absolutely loved when Cena and LA Knight are interacting and they're doing like the fake bravado, like what's <laughs> up, bro? Like, yeah. Oh, it's a respect. Oh yeah. I respect you too. Like I, it, it's like the meme of, uh, of, uh, Stallone and, uh, what's his name? Shaking hands, like really aggressively. Oh, it's like yeah, that yeah. kind of shit. I love that. <laughs> it, it almost, yeah, it's it's almost like you could see it being like Peacemaker, like in character, pulling that shit, just being like ultra hardcore about it. God, if Cena would have came back as Peacemaker, that would have been just too good. I I wonder if there's a contractual thing where he can't do that. I don't know. 
Because that'd be look, cool for a one-off. We're like a heading into a f- really fun WrestleMania season this year, just knowing all the players that are going to be involved. I think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to have Cena likely going to have the rock. You've got guys like LA Knight and Gunther who are on the rise. You've got a lot of star power for the first time in years. So I don't know that we're going to have Cena because I think once the actor strike is over, I think he goes back. It seems like he's, this is his last run run. Um, yeah. And look, we, we were talking about Phil Brooks earlier. I st- still think that Punk and Cena would be a great Mania match for the both of them if they were willing to go there. So there's a lot of like wild cards up in the air at this point. I do think Survivor yeah. Series is going to be for the first time in a long time. Must watch TV knowing that all these balls are in the air. Yeah, I think I think there's a chance you see Punk, Cena, and The Rock all on Survivor Series. <laughs> like it could ten happen. years, ten years later. That's yeah, nuts so. to think about. When is Survivor um, Series? November. God, I don't know there? the date, but it's closer to Thanksgiving. It's the end of November. It is going to be disappointing if. WWE pulls a WWE and nothing happens. And it's just a straight ass show. And no, I, f- I worry that the fans are going to hype themselves up about punk for this show with no real evidence. To <laughs> it, it, to it is almost like if they don't get punk to come back, they have to have rock or Cena there. Otherwise the fans are going to hijack the show. Like or this is LA absolutely has to for the like, first the time in years, shit. basically since punk came back to wrestling, they haven't had to worry about the CM Punk chance hijacking the show. All it of will, a sudden now you have to. It will happen in Chicago at Survivor Series. Yeah. For oh, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, that'll be it's going to be a fun time. So strap in. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Such good shit pod. Email us such good shit pal at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast listening platform you like to use. Uh, And I did just find out today that Google Podcast is going away in a few months. So don't use Google anymore because that's going away. I don't know. It's a thing that's happening. Um, We got anything else before we go? No.